This is Coda Radio, episode 273, for September 11th, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, but that's not important. No, ladies and gentlemen, our host, that's who's important, and it's Mr. Michael Dominic. And I don't believe he's in Florida right now. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Hello, coming at you from the Great Garden State. Ah, so uh, you took refuge, I imagine. I saw the tweet I, go out a few days ago, actually. Yes, I did a two-day drive up I-95. I got the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, so we weren't able to record Coda Radio on our regular Thursday time, obviously, because, <laughs> uh, you know, other things came up. Things came up. And uh, so uh, I'm glad you were able to make it. I saw, So I saw you tweeted out that you were heading out of there, and then I saw, I saw your tweet that you did make it to the Garden State. Um, man, did you have, were you able to, did you have a space that you had, that you still had that you could go to? Like what happened there? No. So I'm actually broadcasting right now from a relative's living room, my mother's living room. No kidding. Um, No kidding. Boy. And do you have any word on how your place is doing with Irma? I mean, do you have any? Well, it should be okay, I think, but we have no first party or second party word. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, you know, something could have gotten picked up and thrown through a window, right? That's possible. So, welcome to but Florida. The, yeah, um, evacuate within ninety days. Yeah. That's, so, uh, see, last time, last time you were at Florida, you know, I mean, things came up. But, I mean, this time, like, there's like, it's a force of nature. Like, just nothing you can was, do. You yeah. got to get out of there. <laughs> we just, it, yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was. Um, we wow. went to buy water and gas for the drive. And mm. couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had to go like wait till we got on the highway. So we're like, yep, nope, time to go. Bye. Yeah, we had a a real minor version of that when we went to go see the solar eclipse. We ended up getting a five-gallon thing of gas and filling it up while we could get gas because there were so many people in the area that when yeah. when we were leaving, there was just there was no gas to be had. And if there were any station that had gas, there was a line that just there's no way I was going to be able to wait in. Yeah. That's, that's wow. Wow. So um, are you able to keep working in this arrangement? Or is the business able to go on? Yeah, I'm, I'm working. Um, you know, it's obviously it would be better to not be evacuated and hmm. couch surfing. Hmm, that's interesting. But, that's, yeah. I suppose I could see that. I could see how that could be maybe beneficial if you weren't uh, couch surfing. Wow. So when do you go back? Well, I'm hoping to go back uh, the end of this week or beginning of next week. Holy smokes. Just depends on if there's any damage to, you know, the house, obviously. I mean, talk about a huge disruption. Talk about just this, because not only is it you and the wife, but uh, you have a kid. Yep, and two small dogs, yeah. Uh, and then when you get back, it's, it's going to be a matter of trying to keep the wheels spinning at work while you're also moving back in, cleaning out the fridge, taking out anything that's gone bad. You know, that's, it's, it's going to be such a massive hit to productivity. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, I'm sure you're, I just, I'm just feeling this for you right now. It's, it's awful. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's uh, but a lot of people have it a lot worse, right? If, you, mm-hmm. if you're down in Florida mm-hmm. Keys, you don't you're you're not going back. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least I'm lucky enough to be near near enough to Tampa and inland enough that the storm surge good shouldn't shouldn't 
have gotten. Good, good. Yeah, uh, there's a body good. of water behind my house, though. So hmm. the uh, the story that is not as dramatic, but would probably be one of our na- national lead stories right now, is uh, there is just a massive series of wildfires in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Washington, Oregon, California, and Idaho are all burning. <laughs> it's it's really something, and it's not that far away from where I'm at. But it's not as it's just not as it's not as big of a deal as as these storms, and it's got a lot of people's attention. Well, yeah. yeah. So I've been thinking about you guys. I'm glad to hear that at least it's workable. It's a workable solution for you right now. Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely workable. I mean, what about that new of, laptop? Is that new? What happened with that new laptop? Is uh, it, get- it had to be redirected to uh, back to Colorado <laughs> because <laughs> obviously I did not want UPS to deliver in the middle of a hurricane. No kidding. I mean, talk about just everything getting disrupted. Well, yeah. Um, so we have uh, a ton of feedback to get into this week, and we could start here pretty soon. So I thought maybe what I'd do is uh, I'd clear the deck, and I'd mention Linux Academy right here because Linux Academy is a perfect sponsor for our audience. And I want to suggest that if you have an, a drive or an inkling or a, a passion to learn more about Linux, you have a reason maybe to learn more about Linux, a career need, or it's time for a little growth, I want you to really take a look at Linux Academy. Start by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. It's a platform created by Linux enthusiasts to spread Linux, and they've done it in a way that has really clicked with the public. When they launched, I, I, I talked to them when they were develop, developing some of their back-end platform features, like the uh, hands-on virtual labs that spin up on demand and let you SSH in. And I remember how clever it was but that wasn't that wasn't going to do it. I mean, I knew that was neat, but that wasn't going to do it. Linux Academy has brought on expertise after expertise since they've launched, and they've really become a full-featured platform. They're always adding value to your subscription. So much industry recognition now. They work with the Linux Foundation and many others. It's a really great training platform. I mean, it's not just the Linux basics. It's also all the stuff that really makes you money on your resume. OpenStack, AWS... Azure. They can study on the go if you happen to have public transportation or you carpool somebody. Why not use one of their iOS and Android apps to use that downtime to study? They have lesson audio you can listen to as well, sort of like a podcast. Practice exams that help get you ready. Cert training for courses that are created specifically to prepare you for the certs if that's the path you're on. And instructor mentoring whenever you get stuck. And if you're in the LA area, maybe you're attending the Open Source Summit from the Linux Foundation, say hello to Linux Academy. They're down there. Talking about Linux Academy, you can find out more, talk to some of the people. That's going on September 11th through the 14th in California. Right now, as we record this episode, the Linux Foundation's Open Source Summit. Of course, Linux Academy has a booth there. They're often at events like that. You can stop by and say hi. Get started by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. You can sign up for a free seven-day trial, and you support this here show. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. What a radio program. So last, uh, boy, when was it? Um, I don't know. It's maybe been a, It's maybe, been a full week. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it's, it's been a while since yeah. we've done a show. I was trying to do the show, Matt, there. It's been a little bit. And uh, one of the things I talked about, just sort of off- offhandedly, is that I got a Thunderbolt 3 dock. Mm. And um, I didn't really go into a ton of details because I have talked a little bit on user air, too, and I didn't want to... I didn't want to, like, you know, go on and on about it. But uh, it's uh, so, but it came in from HD Oster, H Oster, H Oster. Let's go with H Dost. And uh, he says, "Hey, Chris, which uh, Thunderbolt three dock were you uh, were you talking about on the show?" Um, it is. It's a really great dock, and I'm, so I'm going to go ahead and mention on this show because it's a great way to sort of take your lower powered laptop, 
your super portable laptops uh, with maybe like Intel graphics and um, less less connectivity ports than we'd all like. Maybe they even lack Ethernet. It's a way to take all of that stuff and add it back over Thunderbolt 3, which, as you know, is a PCI connection. So it's right on the PCI bus. This isn't like a USB hub or something like that. This is like a legitimate docking station. This one is the OWC Thunderbolt 3 dock. It's got 13 ports. It's got USB 3, FireWire 800, SD card reader, mini display port, spit if out, gigabit Ethernet, audio in and out jacks. Uh, it can drive 5K displays. It can push two Ultra HD 4K displays. Um, my favorite feature, though, obviously, is <laughs> the Ethernet port. And you can daisy chain up to six Thunderbolt devices through one Thunderbolt 3 connection, and it all comes back over a USB-C plug, and yes, it has power, too. So with one plug, I can power my MacBook Pro and my Dell XPS 13 and provide all this connectivity. So I really like this thing. It's not perfect, and sometimes I've noticed I've had to, uh, with, with Linux and Windows 10, because I've tried, I've tried Mac OS, Linux, and Windows 10 with it now, and with Windows 10, it doesn't seem to be supporting the Ethernet port, but it does support the USB ports and the display out, so I can have, I can have two displays hooked up to a Windows 10 laptop. Linux seems to support all of the things, but I have to reboot with it plugged in. And uh, macOS supports all the things, too. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's it's damn near three hundred dollars, depending on where you buy it and when you buy it. Wow! Yeah, wow! Yeah! 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 It, I think that price will come down. Um, but what you are paying for, and this was a big one for me, is a silent Thunderbolt three dock that doesn't introduce noise in your audio recording and doesn't whine on your table, on your desk. I, a, a big problem with these docks that nobody really talks about is. They kind of go cheap on the electrical, and so they introduce hum into your headphone jacks, and they will actually have an electrical squeal. And if you're the type of person that can hear, like, your um, your power brick squealing sometimes, these would commonly exhibit that problem. And in fact, the first shipping versions of this OWC dock exhibited those problems. OWC canceled shipments, fixed it, and then started shipping again. So OWC is sort of my go-to for this because they that they are actually one of the few vendors that pays attention to that problem, which matters a lot to me. So I'm paying a little bit of a premium to have good, clean audio for recording and production purposes and for my own sanity. But, you know, you also get 13 ports that you can hook up to any device that has Thunderbolt 3, which is more and more of them these days. So it's it's $300, but you can use it with any laptop So that's that has a USB-C Thunderbolt 3 port. So that makes it a little more valuable because it's not something that only works with a MacBook or something that only works with Dell. It'll work for probably generations of machines. Interesting. Yeah. So there you go. I guess so. That's the OWC uh, Thunderbolt three dock. If you don't need Thunderbolt three, wait. I think the prices are going to come down, and I think that this is a Rev one. If you if you have a machine that has Thunderbolt two, their Thunderbolt two docks are great. And uh, much cheaper. And I also have experimented with just straight-up USB docks. Uh, those are pretty good for just adding additional USB ports, an SD card reader, and Ethernet. But I don't push them much beyond that because it's on the USB bus. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about... Uh, I can't remember... So the, Gal- you, the Galago Pro, if you still end up getting it, it has, it has Thunderbolt 3, I think, but it's like... Um, it's two-pin Thunderbolt instead of four-pin, and I don't really quite know what the difference is other than I think you can't externalize the GPU, but I think you still can do Thunderbolt data. I'm kind of talking out my butt about this because I didn't, I didn't have a Thunderbolt 3 to 
doc to test this when I had the Galago Pro in for testing. But my understanding is, is that that Galago Pro has a USB-C plug on it, and I think it might be Thunderbolt 3, but like a different, like the kind of Thunderbolt 3 that's on the, right. the MacBook 13. Now, it does. Now, this, this is where I hope somebody in the chat room can bail us out. Because my understanding is Thunderbolt 3 on the MacBook 13 is a lower bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bus issue, and it's like, it's not as fast. Or, you know, I don't really follow it that closely, but because uh, it's all still right. kind of... I don't Yeah. But it's... I, mean, it's I, I, I barely have anything that's actually like a Thunderbolt peripheral that I care to... You know what I, you know what I, you know what the dream is for me though, Mike is like, <clears throat> get a really great keyboard that helps with my RSI and a mouse, and I always and a, and a monitor that I like. You know, over time these are these are kind of expensive components, so I'm going to kind of buy them over time as budget allows, and just slowly assemble a really great workstation setup that's all oh, connected no, yes. to this dock. Right. That's just like whether it's like a big monitor, like like what I used to do, but much better with a uh, Apple Cinema display where. You have a laptop that is like, or this is my dream. Maybe it's a little you have a laptop that is just like the core of your system. Mm-hmm. Plug in a Thunderbolt cable into the stock or this monitor or whatever, some sort of hub, and then you have an entire workstation. But when you need to leave, you just have one machine that you're carrying. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know about you, Chris, but I suck at the, oh, crap, did I check that into GitHub or to it? <laughs> That I put it in Google Drive. Oh, it's on my other machine. <laughs> I like hate that. it when I, I do that stuff. I because it's like my own fault. I, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just one machine that plugs in, plugs out. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, All right. right. So cool. That's yeah. Very helpful. So check it out. It's uh, you can find it at OWC, and uh, they 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 heavily position it as a Mac device, but that's just because that's the market that's sort of interested in that right now. And uh, it's not necessarily um, indicative of the fact that it doesn't just only work with Macs. It works with anything that's Thunderbolt 3. So let's do another feedback that's kind of related. Um, And I know you and I sort of knew this was simmering in the background already, so this isn't going to be a surprise to you or I. But uh, maybe other people are wondering where we sit on this. So um, JKW89 writes into the show, and he says, uh, he's being a little funny. He's having, he's having some fun here, Mike. He says, welcome to System76, a weekly talk show about this Linux vendor. And he says, at least that's what it seemed like during Coda Radio 271. I think too much time is being spent talking about Linux in general and System76 in particular. Can we get back to focusing on development topics? And then a chaotic uh, kernel uh, chimed in, who is a uh, prolific contributor to the show's subreddit says episodes in the past two months where System76 and PopOS are talked about for at least 10 to 15 minutes in the show. Not that he's going OCD about this, Mike, but he noticed that Coder Radio 263, 264, 271, and 272 all talked about System76 and PopOS. It was just a little bit too much for Chaotic Linux, and he also asked that we focus more on the topics uh, other than uh, PopOS until at least PopOS ships around October 19th. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems like a reasonable request, too. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, just backtracking, if you want to go back a year, though, right, it was always all oh, these Mac tools, mm-hmm. these Mac app suggestions. So no, you reason- know what's funny is just before we got on the show in the IRC chat room, uh, uh, let me, I'll, I'll name names if I can see it here really quick. I think it was, uh, I can't remember. Okay, so they, they get off the hook. But people in the chat room were belly aching before the show started that oh, all they talk about is Macs. All they talk about is Apple and Macs. <laughs> So there's right. no winning. So, so now so another group asks us yeah. to stop talking about Linux. Yeah, Hawkins the Wizard, you well, know it's you. But at least the feedback that I, I see directly, the most 
there are three questions we used to get every week, Chris. What is your, your code editor, right? Your editor of choice. What does your workstation look like? I.e., you know, System76, Mac, whatever, Surface. Um, what, oh, now we've had a quick keyboard are you using. And of course, what is the first programming language I should try? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've opted not to answer two out of four, basically. Well, you know, um, I, I'll tell you why the I tell you why the Pop OS thing keeps coming up. It's not. It's it's not. I mean, you you don't have to. You're going too far. You don't have to defend it. You really. I don't. I agree that Pop OS is not particularly relevant to the development industry at large. And this is where they're coming from. They're saying, look, you guys, you guys are spending way more time on Pop OS comparative to the rest of the industry's concern about it. That I, I do agree with. The reason why it was coming up on this show is because one of the hosts, Mike, was looking at A, buying hardware, and B, standardizing his development shop on Pop! OS, and the tools and the software we use to do our jobs are very much part of the show and a very relevant topic, and that's why it came up. Now, I think if you and I had planned ahead of time, it probably would have been a single episode and not several episodes of discussion, but just one long episode. About it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I think, you know, part of that, it reflects the organic ongoing, like thinking you're doing about work in between shows. And, you know, it's just what happens sometimes. Right. Um, so speaking of organic and ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been some evolution. We won't talk about this for long. Okay. Um, we have some Mac guys over at Buccaneer. I can think of one in particular who I will quote, pry his gold Mac look out of his dead hands. <laughs> So he's got a gold one, huh? A gold one. It's the only way to fly. <laughs> we call him Donald. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Secondly, because I am now possibly going back to a flooded house, um, I will not have time to install Pop OS on the new computer. Sure, yeah, no kidding. And I right? will very likely just keep the Ubuntu LTS I ordered it with because, you know, if you have no clothes and nothing else, yeah, a stable it's, it's funny like how one. your priorities sort of shift around. <laughs> It's amazing how a hurricane will just like make you not care about uh, <laughs> yeah like triangulates and greatest anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th- things uh, things have changed you know it's, no but feedback well taken particularly chaotic Linux is it's it's well taken I think what we should do is in October just revisit the whole thing but if I you know did get whacked by Irma I'm probably just gonna be like yeah LTS is great I love LTS well let me uh, you know uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet but um, I am going to uh, New York City at the end of this month. At some point, we're going to have to record for that or do some, or have somebody sit in um, because Canonical is holding an Ubuntu rally. And a, part, a big part of this rally is determining future development options for the next LTS. And I want to be there to watch how Canonical puts this together. How do they work as a team? They fly people in, all that stuff. Because I, I, I started a list on Twitter. And I sort of been getting collaborative input from the community, and I I am tracking the top features of the new Ubuntu release. And off the record, you know, Noah and I have been talking about this a lot, and he and I are wondering if this isn't maybe one of the largest releases of desktop Linux ever, not just the biggest Ubuntu release. So here's the top fourteen legitimate features that are baked into Ubuntu seventeen ten right now, and there's more that may be on the way. The first is GNOME replaces Unity. Bluetooth improvements, a thousand Bluetooth bug fixes, and the new Blue Z stack. They switched to lib input for better trackpad support. They improved 4K multi monitor and high DPI significantly. They upgraded the new network manager, which is much better. They have a new server installer, which is slim, and also 
They have new minimal images, 36 megabyte images, which is great for containers and Raspberry Pis. They're going to auto-remove old kernels from slash boot after upgrade so you don't fill up your boot partition. Extended 4 encryption is now being done with FS Encrypt, which is much improved. They have improved CPU and CUDA support for like uh, machine learning and uh, video acceleration. Um, they have a new dock that is totally uh, a, a brilliant fork that works upstream and is compatible with upstream settings. They're going to ship GC7, GCC7 out of the box and Wayland by default out of the box. And that doesn't even include all of the work they did to get hardware video accelerated codecs. I, I should put that on the list too. So th- we're pretty much at 15 features already, and they may also end up shipping Linux kernel 4.13 which is a significantly nice release of Linux. They're just finishing that up right now. You put these, I mean, I am, I am one feature away from a top 15 features of Ubuntu 17.10, and every single one of those features is one that I want. And I haven't felt this way about an Ubuntu release or really even a desktop Linux release in ages. Yeah, the, the last uh, desktop Linux release I really liked was Snow Leopard. <laughs> <laughs> you, you troll. You troll. You troll, <laughs> sir. You troll. My point is, is that I think if you do decide to go with stock Ubuntu, uh, now's a good time to go all in. Like, I, 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 you know, there was a time on this show where I, you, were, you were looking at running Ubuntu, and I'm like, ah, maybe you should consider Anagros. Maybe you should consider doing something else. Maybe you right. should look at GNOME. Now I think I would unequivocally say, yeah, yeah, definitely run Ubuntu. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that I mean, I don't want to go into a whole canonical thing again, but I, I don't understand why they're doing this, considering I thought they were giving up on the desktop. Well, I think that was mis- I think that was a misunderstanding of uh, Mark. Mark Shuttleworth's initial statement was sort of set, made it sound like we're just going to take GNOME and ship it. What you see in Ubuntu GNOME, that's just what we're going to do and have at it. Right, that, and that was my understanding. Mm-hmm. It was GNOME 3, mm-hmm. game, which, yeah. which, is, which is just not the case. The thing is, though, is they reconsolidated the desktop team inside Canonical, and the people there are all really passionate about the desktop. And I think, I think there was a group of people in the, in the company that were waiting for an opportunity to sort of break this thing free, get out from underneath the mobile project, get out from underneath Unity, and just go whole hog. And I think that's what's happened. And in three weeks, I will have my convergence device. Oh, which which device is this? Oh, the Ubuntu one that's been shifting since 2004. Oh. <laughs> no? <laughs> DigitalOcean.com. Go over to DigitalOcean oh. and create, <laughs> create an account. And then apply our promo code Coder Digital. Get a $10 credit. DigitalOcean.com. And get a $10 credit. You can spend up that $5 rig. Yeah, they got a $5 rig. You can run it two months for free with our promo code and try out all kinds of things and easily upgrade it to faster uh, or more SSDs. Everything's SSDs. More RAM. Uh, all these things you can add on to it, like block storage to beef it up. I love this. This has been perfect for me and my Nextcloud system, which I only use for just a few things. And it's been the perfect little reliable, just perfectly ticking machine up there. And I have to, I have to contribute. I have to attribute some of that to DigitalOcean's just remarkably solid infrastructure. Lightning fast networking, forty gigabits. They have an API that makes it really easy for me to start something or stop a process from an app. There's different apps that do different things for iPhone and Android and for your Linux desktop and for your Windows and Mac desktop. Lots of open source code out there because they have this really straightforward, brilliant API that people have jumped all over. Speaking of open source too. 
It's a great way to start deploying open source code using one of their pre-built images that supports Docker or Node.js or Rails or MongoDB or Cassandra or have at it. I mean, they just have a whole bunch. Or you can start from scratch. Just install the base system and build on top of it. My favorite, like, middle, middle, like, sort of easy middle road approach, Ubuntu LTS with Docker. That's an image. You click that. It gets you everything all set up, nice, competent implementation of Docker, using the right repos, using the right GPG keys, using Ubuntu LTS, and then you're just off to the races. It's amazing when you start with that base how fast you get working. They have monitoring, alerting, load balancing as a service, high CPU droplets, but it's really about the dashboard. It's really about that. It's so simple to use that if you've never set up a server before, you'll have no problem. And if you're a competent server administrator, you'll be impressed how they managed to bridge that gap between new users and pro users. It's, it's really... it's. It's really a great dashboard. Dashboard for days, as I like to say. They also have a great community section. And I'll point you over to this article that was posted on the 29th, How to Write Conditional Statements in JavaScript. That's right. That's right. They're going to get you the 411 over there. they got all kinds of great documentation. Just go over to DigitalOcean.com and get started within seconds and use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. Once you've created that account, you'll get the $10 credit. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. Mmm, that tastes delicious, Mr. Dominic. We've recently had some conversations about Bash for Windows, and if you could end up just using Windows 10 on like a Surface Book Pro or something like that, that could be the new development system. And I recently talked on Linux Unplugged that Microsoft is going to add a new feature to the Windows subsystem for Linux that allows you to run multiple instances of Linux. So you could run a Ubuntu window in one command prompt and an OpenSUSE leap or whatever, whatever SUSE stuff they're shipping. You could run that in another window. And you could have both. You could have Ubuntu pipe something to SUSE, SUSE pipe something to Ubuntu, and then pipe it to the Windows command line, like cats and dogs sleeping together. And so the conversation has turned from, oh, look at that interesting novel thing Microsoft's doing, to, oh, is this becoming the new Linux runtime, and should maybe we be looking at using Windows to do development? Eh, well, Pink Poo writes in and says, don't worry about Bash for Windows right now. It's absolutely awful. I use Vim, Tmux, ZSH for all of my dev work. I might open Sublime just to paste something in, but I, for, you know, serious editing, use Vim. My new job is Windows only. So I installed Bash for Windows. You have to enable insider builds, so you have to reboot about 30 times just to get it installed. It takes an hour, which I think that's getting better. I think you don't have... Is that... I guess you do still have to be insider. I thought that was changing. It's just little, no, you do. I okay. recently set this up. Okay. I, they must, are they never going to change that? I'm, no, I think they... I thought they were, but I thought they were supposed to change it in like October or September, so I was confused as to... Mm. You, you first, because I have a whole thing on okay. this. Uh, so he says, little things are annoyances, like not being able to access the Linux file system from Windows, so you have to work with uh, Linux on the Windows file system, which ends up being mounted at like slash mount, slash c, slash user, slash my dot et cetera, et cetera. And then sometimes uh, renaming directories will fail from within Linux, which is annoying. Also, there isn't a way to run Linux programs without the bash for Windows open. Uh, I'm using XFCE Terminal, which connects to Windows X11 server. So I have this extra window open all the time, which if I close, kills the entire Linux session. You're better off just using a VM. But of course, the Windows Insider build killed VirtualBox for me. And Hyper-V is garbage fire for desktop VMs, so I'm stuck. All I want is a no-nonsense Unix system, and Bash for Windows is not that. 
All right. Now I feel way less compelled like I have to go try it. Thank you, Pinky Poo. <laughs> what do you so think, I Mr. Did, Dominic? I, I did try it. Um, it's not what I wanted. So I had a dream that I could just like work on a Surface Pro 4 or like any, you know, Windows box in theory, right? And pop open, you know, the Ubuntu app and quote, sure. which is basically batch for Windows. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like in my home, you know, my documents directly, and it would just be like popping open PowerShell. Nope. There's, and I wrote a whole post on this about on DominicM.com. There are, the separation between the two systems is very real. Mm. Um, it's almost as like someone built a, built a big wall. Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, there is a door, but it's not the easiest door to get into, and it's, it's frankly inconvenient if you're used to like working on a Mac or on, a, on an Ubuntu machine. Um, not that, I mean, I, I did play with Windows 10 for a few days. Uh, it is a fine development environment, I guess, if you did Windows work. Hmm, okay. But other than that, like the dream of, hey, I can just like get all the, because the idea would be like, you can get all the Windows games and like, you know, this Visual Studio is actually really good if you're doing Xamarin like that um and i can still have my unixy terminal which is like true but like sigwin is actually a more useful tool than oh for, really for the way i wanted to use it um and powershell is just far more useful but you know actual linux or mac is is a million times better if if you're used to working in a bash or a, a fish cell environment right hmm, okay so not really the uh, the saving grace that we thought it would be for Windows users. That well, and I don't I don't think it's for people like us, right? It's not for like developers who were taught on Macs like I was. Okay, yeah, like, that's uh, a good point. It's for people that have used like, Windows for a long time, and this is supplementing their Windows. Well, it's experience. people who have used Windows and are like now doing Node development and need to like run scripts that people are giving them. Yeah, you know that they assume they're running Bash on Mac OS or on Node. Okay. Well, because I, I could definitely see the frustration the other way. If I was a Windows guy, I'm used to doing things a certain way, yeah. and now everything online, all these tutorials, are like and open Bash and apt get, it's like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. No, that's where I stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Looks like I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I thought this would be possible. He just throws away something here. Pinky Poo does, or Pink Poo. It's not Pinky. It's just Pink. Um, he says that uh, he uses XFCE's graphical terminal and connects it to a Windows X11 server. A lot of the times when you see coverage about the Windows subsystem for Linux, it almost always has this caveat that you can't run graphical programs. But I thought, I was wondering if you ran a local Windows X11 server, and then if you could connect to that, you might be able to. It sounds like uh, that's exactly what PinkPoo has done, is he's launched an X11 server on Windows, and by doing so, he can actually launch graphical Linux programs. I don't, I can't think of too many reasons why I would want to do that on Windows, because most important apps are ported, but you never know. It's kind of a, that, that itself is kind of a nice feature. One thing I have sometimes had to use X11 for on a local box is when I SSH into a remote server and I, for some reason, need to, like, launch a local browser to visit a local host page, like, for sync thing or something. And it's to have to the, just knowing in the back of my mind now that push came to shove. If I'm ever on a Windows box and I need an X11 session, I can actually pull it off. So that's what I took away from Pink Poo's <laughs> feedback. So thanks, Mr. Poo. I appreciate that. Uh, Mr. Dominic, you snuck a little something in the uh, in the show notes this week. A little, uh, a little something, something. Maybe a, a little freebie. A little, uh, a little spiff for being an audience member of the uh, Go to Radio uh, yeah, program. There's a little freebie. So, 
Um, you know, I'm always about automation and bots and how you can do less work, right? That's my whole thing here. I like that. Well, I have um, five tips for IT leaders. So if you're an IT manager, dev lead, um, whatever fancy title you might have, director of technology, these are five things that you can automate uh, within your organization, your development group, to have less day-to-day status report writing, Excel writing, updating, all that kind of fun stuff. It's particularly geared for organizations who are, I'm going to say the A word, trying to be agile, mm. but maybe aren't uh, doing a super good job. This so could be check that out. This could be good too if you've got uh, you got a company and you need to help wrap people's brains around something that needs to get done. And this is always one of those nice things you can uh, send this up the chain a little bit. You know, it's got you got you got something that the, that they can wrap their heads around now. Yep, and it's just a PDF. It's five bullet points, and I think you'll find it pretty helpful. You maniac, Mr. Dominic. You maniac. Well, uh, so what's so you're you're up in New Jersey for a few more days, and then you're out of there. Like, so what's what's looking like for next week? Do you think we'll be recording Thursday, or should we keep it up in the air? Um, we should keep it up in the air. I think, in all likelihood, we'll probably have to make up a show. Yeah, and plus, I'm traveling so, at the end of the month too. Right. So I would almost wonder if we couldn't do it on Monday. Hmm, okay. I'd, I'd like to get back to Florida over the weekend, but I don't know how. It wow. Wow. That could, I could only imagine what the trip ends going to be like. Are you driving? Oh, it's going to be bad. You know, it's, it's yeah, I'm driving. So I have the yeah. dogs and the kids yeah. and everything. Right. Wow. Uh, so we'll see. I might, I might, that might be unrealistic. I might have okay. to, uh, well, we'll do this as we do as, and it may be kind of last minute, but as we try to get it figured out, we will try to update the calendar at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And also, uh, you know, you kind of have a – there's a rough good chance it's like a Monday or a Thursday. Those tend to work for us to record if we got to move it around. But, you know, we just have to play it by ear. And so what I would suggest is if you don't want to miss an episode, since they could be a little sporadic or we may have to make a couple up, just subscribe to the RSS feed. If you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and dig around on any of the Coda Radio episode posts – Right below, like the show description, we have links for all the different types of feeds that you can subscribe. And then that way, whenever Mike and I do manage to make this work, uh, you'll just get the episode automatically. Of course, you can also follow Mike on Twitter because he's been posting some updates there. That Twitter feed's awfully busy these days. Uh, but you can Ooh. find <laughs> – I mean, I'm just yeah, saying. There might, be a, there might be a bot doing something Yeah, I'm there. just saying. What? Yeah. At Domenuku, at Mr. Domenuku over there. And I'm at the Chris LAS over there. And the network's at the Jupiter Signal without the thes. And uh, you can follow us there. And uh, hopefully, uh, Mr. Dominic, when you make it safe, you'll uh, you'll pop off a tweet to let us know that you've made it. As long as I get my Galago, everybody will be. I mean, every day. <laughs> as long as you have Galago and internet, life will go on. Well, that's the other thing. I need to have any mixture with internet service. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, so we're going to do a short one today since you're in the living room of your mom's house and uh, she's due back yep. any moment. But uh, we wish you the best. Uh, send us your feedback over at coderadio.reddit.com or go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and email it in. That way, of course, the subreddit is the preferred method because then we can show it up on the screen. Which lets everybody play along. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to go over to that page and check the notes for things we talked about this week, including Mike's white paper that helps grease the wheels in the uh, chain of business. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode, and we'll see you right back here next week.